Hail and well met, traveler. Welcome again to Threat Dice, a podcast about tabletop role-playing games, storytelling, and the vagaries of the dice. I'm your host, Kylan Wigan. I am one-third of the team at TumbleDie Games, a young company developing a new hybrid storytelling RPG called Trove. We believe in the power of story, and the goal of Trove is to empower both players and game masters to level up the action, drama, and believability in their tabletop games. You can find out more at www.tumbledie.com, or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, at TumbleDie, or Instagram. However, this pod is not just about our game. We love tabletop RPGs, all kinds, and we'd like to share with you some ideas from our own experience, both as players and game masters, that might help you take your games to new heights. Today, we're going to go into depth about Session Zero, continuing our discussion from last week. Once again, I'll be joined by my co-creators of Trove, Kevin Barringer and Andy Fling. We'll discuss actual Session Zeros that we have run as part of our Trove playtesting in the last few weeks, what went right, what went wrong, and what we're going to do better next time. Welcome back again to Threat Dice. I'm joined tonight by my co-creators of Trove, Andy Fling. Hello. And Kevin Barringer. Hello. Thank you both for being here with me again. I'm looking forward to our discussion. Last time we talked, we uh, discussed the process of Session Zero and how to build a new session out of nothing. And tonight, what I'd like to talk about is actually discuss real-world scenarios. In the last few weeks, we have all been doing playtesting of our new game, Trove, and to that end, we have all done Session Zeros for groups that we are either familiar with or not. And I think in both your cases, they were with brand new people that you'd never gamed with before. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. That's pretty cool. Um, And a very exciting new thing for us. (laughs) So we've talked a little bit about these before, of course, but I think it would be really informative for the people who listened to the first episode to get an idea of what all that we talked about means in real life. So let's go ahead and dive in. Andy, I want to talk about the insect and the baker. (laughs) <laughs> because I really feel like this was a heck of a session. So yeah. can you give us a little overview of what happened? Sure. Um, my playtesters, it was uh, a man and a woman who um, they're in a relationship. And uh, they actually, I met them through my housemate. They introduced me to the board game Scythe, which I am now absolutely addicted to. <laughs> And when we went over to play the the game with them, um, I noticed their bookshelf, which is just packed full of RPGs. And through the course of the night, I learned that, you know, they play all the time. They play all kinds of different games. I thought they would be perfect candidates. So I approached them later and said, would you like to play test our game? And so they came over and we had our session zero. And what I had done for preparation was to just make this, you know, it, it was a play test. They understood that it was it was more about taking a look at the game, you know, seeing where the weak spots are, trying to break it, so on and so forth. So I just came up with a very generic fantasy concept for the for the campaign, for the adventure. The orcs are coming to attack and the heroes have to go to the forest to talk to the wizard about the special thing and whatever. 
So I had that already. And then in session zero, where they started creating their characters, it quickly became clear that um, that scenario was absolutely not going to work. <laughs> and like they, true, true to form, asking them to come over and break my game, they started in character creation. So uh, Alex, he, he actually, this is, this is our fault because it's in the rules. Uh, it's in the book. Um, one of the suggestions for character creation is, hey, if you wanted, you could make a sentient insect. So he did. And uh, he got he got really creative with it, how the insect is living in this village with humans and he has a trench coat and thinks that he is completely fooling all of them to think that he is also a human. Just totally passing as a human, yeah, a as, a, as, a, as a bug in a trench coat, just totally yes. passing. Yes. And what's actually happening is everybody just accepts his presence and knows exactly who, he, who and what he is, <laughs> um, except for his best friend, Courtney. She made a 16-year-old girl who loves to bake. Um, <laughs> as, a, as a character. That's, that, that's an imposing character. Yes. That suggestion is not in the book, so she just came up with that for the hell of it. So she's the only one who is fooled by his disguise, <laughs> despite the fact that she spends more time with him than anybody else. And so after, after character creation, I was like, we're going to stop here. We have time to start the game, but the scenario I've come up with is absolutely inadequate to your creativity. So I said, give me, give me a week or so, and we'll come back next session and we'll start the game with a whole new scenario. So um, I came up with the idea that in their village, there is a baking contest and um, the winner goes to the main city that is uh, close to this congregation of, of towns and hamlets. And the, the mayor of that city does a taste test of all the, the, the winners and whoever wins that secondary contest gets to take their confection and go to the capital and serve the king and queen. And so this year, Courtney's family won the contest and went to the, the main city of Downsmouth. And the mayor was going down the line, taste testing, taste testing. He's this big, robust, um, loud, mustachioed uh, character. Of course. So the mayor gets to Courtney's family's, what was it? It was uh, f like some kind of fruit bread or something. Um, he tastes it and, he, and he's like, oh, this is very good, very excellent. He starts to choke. It turns out that <laughs> the, their fruit bread is poisoned, but they didn't poison it. So they don't know. Ah. They don't know. Someone is trying to use them to assassinate the mayor. Um, and so that's where I started the, the adventure. That is an amazing story of adapting to what your players give you yeah. and being totally blindsided by the creativity of players. And instead of shutting them down saying, wait, 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 let's right. make this work. And that, I, that's, that's really why I wanted to touch on that one. So before we get into all the big questions, Kevin, why don't you give us an overview of the session zero from the group affectionately known as the murder hobos <laughs> um accurately known as the murder hobos yeah well first hey andy i want to comment on how 
I, I, I'm just thrilled that you were able to come up with a scenario where Rainbow Bright meets CSU. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I can't think of another game where that could, that could work. Yeah. So this is, that's exciting. Um, so yeah, yeah. So, so I guess actually I'm going to start with an anecdote about a, a more recent experience that I had reconnected with an old friend who is a fantastic GM and invited me to an online session and I met, you know, a bunch of new people and, uh, we were playing a very, very well-known role-playing game and, um, (laughs) and it was, uh, it was great. You know, we all sort of jumped in. Everybody was really cool, really friendly, and, and we all had a good time. The characters started off with a, a pirate, pirate background, a piratical background. So we were all, eh, you know, criminal, sort of minded characters and that sort of thing. But we, we dove in and, and not too long into the session, there was a straight up murder. <laughs> <It's> not, uh, <laughs> they, you know, the, some of the, some of the players decided my character would just straight out murder these dwarves. For no reason, you know, it was a ran- kind of a random encounter on the on the highway. Bunch of dwarves shipping some food or something in a wagon, and and there was a, a an altercation, a verbal altercation, and it turned into a slaughter. And um, and I realized I I, I wasn't really into that. Rewind a few weeks back, I I, I was doing a session zero for a, a group that I was going to be the narrator, the GM for. This was a, a group of people who had recently started playing this popular role-playing game and had a really good time, created cool characters, you know, and, and some very they're, they're very imaginative, creative people, but they were really having a good time with the escapism of the game, where it's sort of morally devoid of consequences. <laughs> and, <laughs> sure, and, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really important topic. Yep, yep, and that's... And that's uh, Something that that people, uh, you know, a lot of players really enjoy, you know, and, and and escapism is one of the reasons that we play this, these games sometimes. Yeah, there's and, a lot to be yeah. said for uh, inhabiting a world where morality is much simpler than the one in the real world. Right, right. I mean, there are tons of video games that you exactly know, pr- provide exactly that 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 release. So, you know, they were telling me stories about how they they played that way in the past, and I was like, okay, that's great. But we're going to do a session zero, and we're going to talk about what kind of game we're going to play and what kind of characters you really want to have. And and then we're going to talk about how those characters are interconnected and, and know each other and, and what their connections to the world are, right? And this is sort of part of the character building process, but also the group building process and how we, we we're going to get to know each other. So we did that. We did a session zero, and... What happened kind of blew my mind because we we were making lots of jokes like, okay, we're going to get together with the murder hobos and we're going to see how this goes. (laughs) And what came out of it was uh, the players wound up creating characters that they were invested in, not just in terms of their powers or the, you know, their, their abilities and, and what they could gain by playing the game. They were invested in these characters by their backstory that they created for them and also how they were connected to each other. And one of them created a really interesting character with fire control powers, you know, like these really amazing sort of like a, like a human torch kind of, 
kind of character. Um, he, he himself doesn't burst into flame, but he, he can control fire. And, and that was the vision that he had. And that's the character we created, except it's a, it's a teenage boy. So he's very okay. young. So that's, that's an angle on, mm. on his character. And he, he starts off with this tragedy where on the island that he grew up on in, in the sort of a primitive island culture, they were attacked by these mercenaries and he, and, and, you know, completely on his own. This is the backstory he came up with. He, his powers manifested to protect his people from these mercenaries, but he lost control of them and he wound up destroying his own people too. And he's the last survivor of, of That's a really people. solid, like mutant X-Men backstory. Ooh. Very much. Yes. Yes. Like this epic yeah. tragic tale. And so he started off with that. Uh, another character, she decided that her character was, she sort of started off wanting to play uh, a sorceress, mm-hmm. you know, a, a magic user. Uh, sort of, this, we all, we decided that this was going to be a traditional sword and sorcery type of setting because that's what they were already familiar with. Okay. From, from their other game. So, uh, she decided she, her sorceress character was going to be somebody who was very highly educated. And sort of like a James Bond kind of character. Like she, she was really good at lots of stuff, really socially savvy and that sort of thing. So she also delved, really just took some time to make this a three dimensional kind of character. She also then decided that she had visited the island that the boy grew up on years before, not too many years before, because she had met him. Ah. And so they actually knew each other because she's, I guess more more of an Indiana Jones type, like she she's a, a, a an adventurer, traveler, knowledge seeker kind of character. So that was that connection. Then another character who decided he was going to be a um, he's basically the captain of the city guard in the city, and so now we have a city, <laughs> <laughs> right? And now suddenly uh, <laughs> there was a city, right? And <laughs> he's the captain of the guard, and you know he's sort of a grizzled. You know, he's he's kind of young, but I, I think he sort of was a Sherlock Holmesy kind of character. He's he's like an inspector, mm-hmm. the lead inspector, mm-hmm. but he walks with a limp and he uses a cane. Ah, so Sherlock Holmes and House, exactly. Yes, <laughs> I, I didn't much, yeah. even yep. make that connection with House. <laughs> you're you're totally spot on. I totally escaped me, so <laughs> yeah. thank you for, for that. So he's he's pulling in these tropes and you know concepts from different things, and he may have come up with that spontaneously too. But yeah, it's possible. Yeah, and and he had, you know, but it's a cane sword, of course. Of course, I mean, of course. Uh, and you know, he's he's an expert fencer, uh, even though he he walks with a limp. And so so those are those are three of the characters. The final character um, is uh, a guy who decided he was going to play a female character. Uh, which I always applaud because mm-hmm. it's a brave choice, you know, if it's playing, you know, against your own type sometimes. Yeah, crossplay so, is something I try to encourage as well. Yeah, yeah. And he mm. so he made this bold decision out of the gate, but he didn't have a lot of ideas about powers. So it's kind of similar to Andy's story. He decided that his character, uh, she is a weaver. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> okay. But he decided that he was going to take the opportunity to leave openings in the character to fill in later. Good. Ah. That's good. The enigma. Exactly. The enigma. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that wound up becoming a, a really cool part, actually, of the whole scene. So he was going to sort of play her as a as a not a femme fatale, but a you know sort of a dame in trouble from the old noir detective movies. Sure, you know, coming mm-hmm. into Bogey's office and just being like, "Oh, you know, please help me." Um, and that's we started off with the boy he had hidden away on a one of the, the remaining mercenary ships, and when it was close enough to a shore, he jumps off. He swims to shore. And then he turns around and he uses his his power to destroy the ship from afar. Um, we just awesome. that was just narrative. We just let that out. That was just exposition, and it was his exposition though. He, he he's the one who told that story, and I was so like, good. yes, that's exactly what happens. Uh, he swims to shore, climbs into the back of a, a cart going down the road, and finds himself in the city. Um, he doesn't speak the language. He is wet and exhausted and and homeless. And so he finds his way in through the back door of a, a tavern. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, and so he gets in and we then decide, okay, within this tavern is the sorceress. And she spots you and she recognizes you. And then we cut to the weaver. She is... Go, she's entering the, the office of the inspector, which is on the second floor of this tavern. He, he lives in a tavern. He lives above a bar, just like Bogey would. Of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sam Spade would. So she comes in and she's imploring him to help her find a long lost love. And they're having this conversation, which gives me, the narrator, the opportunity to say, here's the thing that happens that all of you experience, because you're all basically in the same place. And right. so... Mm. So you're able to convert character creation for these relatively new gamers straight into prologue, basically. Exactly. And it was, and because of that, they, they're not interested in tramping through the world and slaughtering things willy-nilly because they've created these characters that they empathize with. And as Mm. soon as you have empathy, if you have this empathy, it makes it harder to, you know, be run your character as though there are no consequences. And it gives the narrator so much more to work with. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they're, and they're champing at the bit for, for the next session. That's fantastic. I'm really glad to hear that. So let's do a little postmortem, if you will, on each of these sessions. So Andy, yeah. Based on what we know about your session, what do you feel was the thing that went most right? I think what I'm learning, and this might be, I don't think it's a, a general statement for all uh, game masters. I think it's a preference maybe, but I think it's something that everyone should at least try, is that less is more. I'm finding that less is more, and what I mean by less is less prep. If you go into session zero... It also it has to involve a group of players who are willing to do it this way. If, if you have a group of players, like we talked about in um, episode zero, who want a story told to them, who go in wanting the world to be there for them to walk through already made, then this might not be the best. If you, had, if you have players like I did, who are 
ready, you know, they, they have the experience they need to understand how these games work. I would say go to session zero without a plan and have character creation be also an act of world building where your idea for session one comes from what your players create. The, the world that they create around their characters, you can extrapolate and create session one with. I feel like that is what went right is my mistake. I don't want to call it a mistake. I mean, I, I wanted to be prepared. So I, I had uh, the, the scenario that I had, but I am glad that Courtney and Alex went the direction they went because it gave me an opportunity to make, to, to customize the adventure in a way that would truly connect to their characters, connect their characters to each other, and just make it more fun for everybody involved. Um, and it was it was a challenge for me that I really enjoyed. Um, so I think what went right is what went wrong. <laughs> you know, I didn't need to prepare because they they took care of that. It was unfortunate that we couldn't get a game going immediately, but I think that's a I think that's a, a sacrifice that's worth making. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and so, Kev, what are you most proud of from that session? <laughs> well, I, I, not that I can really take credit for it, but converting murder hobos is, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a way to go through life, I think. You know? <laughs> I think so. I, I totally agree. Every time I meet our, her murder hobo, I, I buy them a sandwich and try to, you know, change their mind. But... Um, <laughs> So far, I'm I'm over two, uh, but no, it it was it was fun because I think yeah, I feel very proud that you know the, the some of these players hadn't had a ton of RPG experience and they you know I think they sort of they had had a great time and they sort of saw it in a certain way and I am very happy that I broadened that point of view a little bit. I think for some of them. I'm also I'm, I'm proud of myself because I did overcome some challenges that they threw my way. They, you know, they had some concepts that were were broad, and and um, I tried very hard not to push back or or you know put up any kind of roadblocks. So we discussed things that, and there were very few, but we discussed things that we thought might make unnecessary challenges. And try to make them make them more specific and and tease in some details so that they they're not as as broad based necessarily, but also having players with different styles in terms of how they wanted to create these characters, considering they have carte blanche to do whatever they want, and the fact that we ended up with the the variety that we did and made it gel i i feel I feel like you know, and it's it's definitely not just me. It's it's the way these players chose to to do it, and to play along, but also contribute their own parts of the story and provide all of these hooks and threads that later on they envision turning into more. That so we we you know we we turned uh, murder hobos into <laughs> storytellers, I guess. A um, <laughs> Most fine accomplishment, indeed. Yes. Um, I think that is about all the time we have for the evening, so I'd like to thank you both once again for joining me. I hope that this was enlightening for the folks following along. 
Thank you both, and we'll look forward to talking with you again in a future installment. Absolutely. Thank you, Kyla. Thank you, guys. Hey, folks. Andy from TumbleDye here to give a shout-out to a friend of the dice. If you are in the Seattle area and need a damn good cup of coffee, snack, and excellent service, you need to head over to Distant Worlds Coffee House. Besides being my favorite cafe, they are Seattle's gathering grounds for geeks with a library of games, books, and comics to satisfy just about any fandom. Every time I go, I see folks playing RPGs, board games, real-time strategy on their laptops. It's just a great place to go and hang out. At the time of this recording, it is unfortunately the middle of the corona pandemic, so tables are not available right now. However, they are open for pickup, and there are spots to sit outside the cafe. So please, check out Distant Worlds Coffee House at 6417 Roosevelt Way Northeast, Suite 104 in Seattle, or find them on Facebook and at distantworldscoffee.com. Next time on Threat Dice, I'll discuss some aspects of fighting and combat in our RPGs. There's a lot to unpack there, and I'm looking forward to really digging in, and hopefully illustrating a bit of the philosophy around combat encounters that I've built over the last 20 years as a game master. Until we meet again, may the road ever rise to meet you. Threat Dice is a production of TumbleDye Games, LLC. Our intro music is What Lies Beyond by Vince Vept, and the outro music is Storm, also by Vince Vept. Check out his amazing work at youtube.com slash vincevept. That's V-I-N-D-S-V-E-P-T. This episode was produced and recorded by me, Kylan Wigan. Never laugh at live dragons. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.